stuff. What about that five dollars? From Chicago, we bring you another edition of the Live from the Heartland show. Uh, we also call it Heartland at Home because we're still Zooming it. And this is number 66 on the Zoom for the week of August 28th. Today, we have some really neat guests. You're going to enjoy Gwen Brown, Freddie Dixon, and Congressman Jesus Chewy Garcia. Good morning to you, Kate Hogan. And how are you doing today? Fine, thank you. Uh, despite the uh, clammy weather that we've been having, um, I'm cool in my little pad, keeping it all closed in, no light, kind of strange, but it's August in climate change Chicago. So there you go. My good news this week was that I was instrumental, thanks to canvassing uh, an area that needed it uh, to get three people their first shots. Um, and they were so happy about it, they called me to let me know that 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 had happened. So I'm really, really glad about that. How about you? What, any good news for you this week? Well, it's been a pretty good week on a lot of fronts. Uh, it's always nice and peaceful when the two of the boys who live here, Katie and Hal are gone, but it's really nice when they get back and they both got back uh, yesterday. And so the house is full of activity and I'm glad we don't hear too much noise coming in here while we're recording the show. The dog is back too, right? The dog is actually two dogs because Katie and his friend Gina is here with her dog. So we got a lot of animals in the house. Dogs and lizards, turtles. You do. You have a menagerie. You sent me a good article um, in preparation for this show. You want to talk about the good things in blue states that you... Uh, yeah, there was a piece by a Perry Bacon or Jr. in the Washington Post this past week. And he talked about good things going on in blue states. He points out that 44% of the population live in 25 states that are controlled by Republicans, governor and both houses of the legislature, while 40% of the population lives in 17 states that are controlled by Democrats. And it's a lot of times it's very difficult on a federal level to get a lot of positive things through. But he points out that in blue states, we see things like increased voting rights, uh, marijuana reform, taxing of very rich people, uh, work on climate change, uh, minimum wage of $15 and up. And uh, in my home state of Connecticut and elsewhere, free lunch for all. So I think it's important to have a perspective about things are going on at different levels. We don't hear about the details of uh, our own state or other states as often as we hear about what's going on nationally, but it's important to keep this all in perspective because things do look good for the future, knock on wood. Yeah, and we have, actually, we have some elections coming up that, that may well uh, affect this because as you said, state by state, there's some interesting things. For, for example, here in Illinois, we abolished cash bail, which was a big move. Um, Virginia also abolished the death penalty and enacted its own Voting Rights Act. Virginia places, uh, faces a governor's uh, election in a month, two months, big one, and it's tight. Um, so, Although I saw the most recent polls I saw have McAuliffe uh, in the lead by close to 10, but there are different polls, so yeah. you can't take anything for granted. Yep, it's true. Don't take anything for granted. So it's good that you found that because we often report on uh, the scary things that are happening in, we do. in led uh, legislatures, particularly on voting suppression, voter suppression. So it's good to have the uh, other news happening. Um, we, the other election, as you pointed out, was the California's upcoming recall vote. Um, it's actually, I think it has begun with the... Um, uh, ballots already, but the ending of it is September 14th with an in-person day of voting. Um, you want to say anything about that, Michael? No, just once again, we encourage people who know people in California to talk about the importance of this vote. I mean, even if the Republican got in for a while, I assume they would get rid of them 
in the next regular election, but why go through the pain and the chaos? Yeah. Um, let's have a, a vote for Newsom and keep pushing him to do good and better. That's right. That's right. No, it's pretty, pretty serious, important that California shows up for their election. Um, of course, on the COVID front, um, not a lot of good news with parts of the U.S. experiencing higher hospitalizations than since the peak in January. Um, we have the return of mask mandates, both here in Chicago and the state of Illinois. We nationwide are not even 55% fully vaccinated. Um, so how are opening schools supposed to be safe, particularly when you've got uh, someone like Governor DeSantis in Florida, who I believe is a national disgrace at this point. Um, his people should be dragging him out of office. Um, he's threatening to take school money away from school districts that require masks. I'm, I'm sorry, this is, this is untenable. This is incredible. Vaccine. Well, I think what's really important about this is that over half the school districts in the state are defying his order. Well, I know, and he's, he's, he's threatening to stop their funds. Um, nationally, I mean, internationally, the rest of the world is not doing well either. Um, places like Israel and, and New Zealand and Australia that had, had bragging rights basically on, on the few number of cases and the great number of, well, in Israel's case, vaccinations um, are suddenly also hit. So vaccine inequity is prolonging the pandemic uh, globally. Um, be part of the solution locally, join vaccine brigade and help us uh, get our local folks vaccinated. That's all we can do. Uh Kate, you want to give a little environmental report? I know there's drought and fire a lot of places. You want to share any of that? Yeah, no, I really don't. It's so bad. You know, um, I mean, the most amazing thing to me this week after hearing about the Madagascar famine, which will be the first climate change caused famine in, in, in our history, in human history, also that the atmospheric levels of carbon dioxide are higher in, highest ever in human history. But add to this, I'm sorry, the boundary waters, the Minnesota boundary waters are on fire. How does that happen in a place as wet as the boundary waters? It's an Isle Royale as well. Uh, this, is, this is really the result of climate change and let's, let's, not, be, uh, let's not be mistaken about that. Um, no, it's serious. So let me just say we are, you are listening or watching too live from the heartland. If you're listening, it's on 88.7 FM and www.org. Stay tuned because we're gonna be right back after we hear a little music. And when we come back, we're gonna have our first guest, Gwen Brown, talking about music and horse racing. Outside for the first time in a long time Lose yourself sinking to the sunlight It's been a while since you felt right But the warm nights are coming soon and you'll be just fine You'll be just fine You'll be just fine And welcome back. Thank you for introducing us to Movements. I had never heard that band before. And that was Daylily, which was requested by Gwen Brown, who is going to talk to us about both music and horses. She's currently the Live from the Heartland intern, meaning a wizard at getting this show recorded, edited, and up on the station every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. She also has her own YouTube channel with over 1,300 subscribers, probably more than that now, because that was from your, um, from application. your application, <laughs> and is also the content manager for the Elizabeth Alfano radio show, among other things. Gwen! What a treasure you are. Thank you for being here. Of course. Good morning. 
So how's it been uh, being an intern on this show? Let me just start with that. Yeah, tell us about it. What do you think? The truth. I think it's been great. I think I've, I've learned a lot from it. I'm glad I was able to help you guys turn it into, you know, a podcast as well and reach some of our goals we discussed at the beginning of the summer. And it's it's been very enjoyable. Yeah, I've loved hearing all the other guests you guys have had, and I've been able to learn things from them as well. So it's been great. Of well, course, we always learn from our interns. They they continue to teach us. So uh, maybe you were about to ask the first question, Michael. Go I ahead. was going to ask her what young people of her age and near near that age are taken with these days. Musical styles, genres. What's up with uh, your generation and what do you call your generation? <laughs> I guess I, I'm a Gen Z. I was born in 2000. So I guess I'm a Gen Z. Um, <laughs> but um yeah, I mean, I don't really listen to top 40 personally, but I do know a lot of that is rap. I feel like our generation, my generation has definitely been taken with rap the last decade or so. Um, but in terms of the music I listen to, I know there's also a lot of mainstream songs that are in like the indie genre, um, which is good to see for someone who loves alternative music like myself. It's nice to see some indie artists getting big. Um, I mean, I love rock and roll. Unfortunately, we're not really in the true age of rock and roll anymore. <laughs> um, but it is nice to see some alternative artists being loved. Um, Billie Eilish, Phoebe Bridgers, you know, those kind of artists come to mind who are definitely changing the way that pop music and alternative music is really listened to in terms of like top 40 and really getting it out there to a bigger audience. So that's been very good to see the last few years for sure. Um, you know, we we watched and, and were basically relieved when Lollapalooza did not turn into a super spreader event. Um, given the Delta variant spreading easily into the younger unvaccinated, what do you feel or observe are your peers' attitudes toward taking precautions? Um, if you can, I don't, I'm sure you can't generalize, but you know, what's, what do you observe? I mean, a lot of pretty much all of my friends that I go to concerts with are all fully vaccinated. You know, they're fine with wearing masks in concert venues. You know, they, they believe that showing masks or showing the vaccine cards before you get into a venue is a good thing. Um, and I think with the scene that I'm in, with the alternative music scene, it's a very liberal scene. People, you know, tend to have their head on straight. A lot of people are very for these kind of mandates, which is great to see. It's, I'm, I feel very safe going to shows, um, you know, recently over the weekend, I went to kind of my first real pop punk show in a long time. And yeah, everybody, you know, was fine with showing their vaccine cards. Everyone was wearing masks the whole time. It felt very safe. I felt very happy to be there. Um, so I think that it's definitely in the alternative scene, people are fine with these mandates and they do believe it's the best way to be able to have shows and still stay, stay safe. When you mentioned you just went to a show, uh, probably one of your favorite bands. Tell us about that band and what the what the scene was. Yeah, I went to a show this past Sunday, the 22nd at Subterranean in Wicker Park, uh, one of my favorite small venues. And it was a all local show, which was great. I took a friend from out of town. So she got to really see what the local scene was like. And the headlining band was a band called High Wire, who are a pop punk band from Chicago. And it was my first time seeing them, getting into them. And they are really great. Um, recently, a band called Sleep On It from Chicago kind of broke up, took a hiatus. And I very much feel if people like Sleep On It, they will like High Wire. It's a very similar kind of local pop punk sounding band. Um, they had openers like Overgrow, which are from Ohio, and Common Weather, and uh, Weighted. Those were the other bands. And they're all from you know, the local scene. So it was a really fun time to support your local scene, support local tiny pop punk bands. It was a sold out show and everybody was there really happy to support our local artists. So it was great to see and I've definitely missed it. So how do you, how do you all find out about those bands without, um, particularly when there, there were no concerts going on for a while? How do, how do people share? Is it on a station like ours, LUW, that plays? Um, like for, me, for me, it's really through social media, honestly. Um, I also have the app Bands in Town, which I love, which you can put in all the artists you would want to see in concert, and they alert you right away when they're coming to your city. Um, but also, let's say it's just like a weekend and you want to go see live music. There's a tab on the app that says like shows happening tonight. And so in a city like ours, you can just scroll through and there's always stuff going on, especially now as things are reopening. Um, and that's kind of what my friend and I did. We were just looking for a fun show to go to while she was in town. And 
luckily, yeah, there were a few pop punk shows going on this weekend and that's the one we ended up choosing. So I don't know, in a city like this, it's always easy to find fun bands and shows and whatever genre you like, which is why I love living here. And it's crazy how small the scene is. You know, I run merch for a band Wolf Road, who's from Des Plaines, Illinois, and they know everybody in the scene who's remotely, you know, in the Chicago music scene. I mean, I talked to a guy who was in the band Over Overgrow and he knew Wolf Road and I was just amazed at, well, okay, if you ever go to their shows, I'm going to be the one selling merch behind the booth. Like everybody just knows everybody and I've only been here for three years and it's crazy how everyone's connected. So it's, it's very easy to kind of stay on top of what's going on with all the new bands popping up. Well, recently, Gwen Brown, you, uh, you took off and went home uh, back to Albany, New York, I believe. And uh, one of the things that emerged in talking to you was that you were going to go to the horse races at Saratoga. And it turns out that you're a fan of horse racing. And I told you all my stories about our old friend, Jason Crawford, and I would give him some money and he put me in on his bedding and uh, I'd get him a drink and rub his shoulders while he had his papers out and his sheets and picking horses. Tell us a little bit about you and horse racing. Yeah, well, I, I grew up in Albany, New York, so about, you know, 45 minutes from Saratoga. And my dad, who also grew up in Albany, his dad would take him to the races like almost every day in the summer. You know, Saratoga is the summer place to be, as they call it. So he did the same with me. We went not every day, but we went, you know, at least every like two to three weeks when I was growing up. We always had a big family track day there once a year with all of our extended family. People would drive in from other states. And it was like one of my best fond memories from the summer growing up in Albany. So I love going home still and being able to go to the races with him and seeing how everything's changed. You know, he grew up going there and I grew up going there and it's still changed every, you know, five or 10 years now. Um, but I still love doing it. I love horse racing. He taught me at a very young age about gambling and all sorts. I was playing poker when I was six. Like it's just part of kind of, you know, our bond between me and him, which has been great. And so I've just been learning how to handicap horses since I was very young. I used to you know, tell him, here's a dollar, go put something on a horse to show. And I was really young. And now we've moved up to bigger bets. And now, you know, once you're 18, you can make bets at the racetrack. So the past three years has been really fun to be able to take my own money and go up to the window and bet my own, you know, races and go and watch the horses up close. Um, so I really grew up with it. And it's a sport that I really love. Nothing together with you. Nothing you can do it in one minute, but, um, what goes, you're, you're an experienced better, as you just said, um, what goes into your choices and, and do you mostly break even or. And do you bet the same as your dad or do you guys do it independently and who's winning in the long run right now? <laughs> I've definitely won more than he has. And he hates saying it. He's the one where it's like, he gets very into it. He'll pick all his picks. And if he loses the first race, he's like, I'm done. I want to go home. <laughs> and I'm very much like the optimist, maybe because he's been doing it for longer than me. Um, but we definitely have different different ways of doing it. He's kind of inherited his father's um, systems. He has these betting systems. And I, I don't really look at it that way, which is kind of fun because I love to talk to him and my grandpa about what they're doing and kind of, you know, what horse do you guys like? Why do you like it? You know, um, but I really just obviously look at past performances, um, look at pedigree and, you know, who the, the parents of the horse were obviously and the trainers and things. Um, but I don't, I don't have a system. I don't really want to get locked into some mathematical equation just because they're animals. And it's, it's like a puzzle you're trying to figure out, which is what I love. Anything can happen. These aren't machines, which I think is kind of the fun part about it. Um, so I've gotten very much into trifectas and pick threes the last few years. Wow. And my dad, he loves his exactas. We were testing out a show parlay system when I was home, which was very fun, um, which is a bet that I used to love as a kid because I was very scared about losing money. I only wanted to put, you know, a dollar to show on a horse. Maybe I'll get 20 cents, but you know what? At least I win something, right? So it was a fun way to take that childhood bet of mine and, and turn it into a parlay system, which ideally would grow as you keep winning. Um, so we always like testing out different, different systems, different forms of betting, um, and it's been a good year for me. The last few years, I've gotten a lot better at it. I've been winning some money, which is always a good time. Um, but even sometimes I just like to make fake bets and just practice. Because at the end of the day, it's not really about the money for me. It's more about just seeing if I can figure it out and have fun with the puzzle that it is. Gwen, do you go to the races in Chicago? You've been out to Arlington Heights, uh, Maywood, all these different places. What do we got going on here that you participate in? 
Yeah, I haven't yet just because I don't have a car here. Um, I wanted to try to go out to Arlington this summer and take the metro there. And of course, now I do believe they're closing it down, which is pretty sad. Um, hopefully next year I'll be able to make it out to Hawthorne because um, I know they were doing some work on that racetrack. Um, and they also have harness racing there, which can be fun. Um, but I would love to, to go out and explore other racetracks for sure, definitely. Um, I love seeing your enthusiasm about it. And it's, it's very cool that it has been uh, this significant bond between you and your father. Um, that's extremely precious. So uh, shine on. Um, I hope to go to the racetrack with you someday. Um, lastly, uh, let's just bring it back home because your skills um, media-wise are, um, are quite ex extensive. And I guess I wanna ask how were they enhanced in the last year and a half of living virtually um, and you know, doing things like you have been doing with the radio shows that you work with? Um, has it been a significant leap forward in technical ex expertise? Um, I think so, especially because my job with the Elizabeth Alfano show, it was supposed to start as an in-person internship and it's been remote ever since, you know, 2020 right and even now she's kept it remote I've kept working remote and I'm actually really glad it worked out that way because I think it works better for all of our schedules it's kind of forced me to figure out what my real skill set is and what I can put forward for future jobs and what my you know my strengths and my weaknesses are I think I've learned that a lot through working remotely um, and I think yeah I've been able to learn a lot more about the media world and and this is definitely, you know, clearly a way that we're going and a lot of media jobs are being able to do online, especially radio work. Um, so I, I think I've learned a lot about that and, and I'm excited about the new podcast director position I have at WLUW. And, you know, that will kind of be partly in line, partly in the studio. Um, but yeah, I, I've definitely learned a lot the last year from-, from And uh, share with our listeners briefly what the Elizabeth Alfano radio show is. Yeah, so she's, it's actually called um, the Plant-Based Life and Style radio show now, but it's all about the plant-based world, um, eating vegan. She has the uh, Plant-Based Business Hour, which interviews people in the business world of plant-based. Um, so, you know, investors, founders of plant-based companies, and I've learned so much about the plant-based world. I've completely, you know, changed my diet because of it. And I really love the work that I'm doing because I'm combining my skill set with a passion of mine. And I feel like I'm doing very good work for the earth and the world. Um, so it's, it's a great job that I hope to continue to have post-grad. So can I just uh, end this beautiful little love fest by saying um, we have so been uh, enjoyed having you um, work with us on this show and teach us and bring us along uh, in this particular time where the learning about the virtual way to get on the radio has been uh, yeah, a little trickier for us old folks and you guys do it so automatically. I'm, I'm very impressed and I'm also really grateful to you, Gwen. So thank you for being behind the scenes for the last four months almost. Um, Let me just say that we really have appreciated you having you. We wish you would stick around and in the event you don't, we need some other people to step forward. So if you've got some listeners and viewers out there or friends over there on the campus, Come and help out with Live from the Heartland. Yes. It's very fun. Would recommend for sure. Right <laughs> on. Thank you guys. I've, I really enjoyed it. Okay. Stick around. Thanks for listening to Live from the Heartland and WLUW. We will be back with Gwen in her um, hidden place as we interview um, a, mu a local musician, really great guest, Freddie Dixon, son of the great Willie Dixon. And we're going to listen to Seventh Son his father's big hit as we bring, ba bring back Freddie Dixon just in a minute or two.
How are okay. you? Good morning to you, Freddie Dixon. Good morning to y'all. It's so good to see you again. We haven't seen you in probably over a year. You've been doing yes. okay? I'm hanging in there. We're hanging in there. You know, um, this pandemic has been, uh, um, it was kind of a blessing to us, uh, to me, John and uh, uh, Maurice, because we were, um, we had been on the road, you know, uh, before the pandemic, and we always talking about getting the project done. And so when this pandemic hit, we didn't have nothing to do but to get the project done. So you know, it it it, it the timing was right, and we and we, we we wasn't working that much. So matter of fact, we wasn't working at all. So Maurice brought it up again, and uh, we said we was gonna do it. We went to the studio and did it. So and. Uh, Maurice had been trying to get this thing done for a long me, me, him and John had been going on the road different times at, uh, to different venues and different places. And we always talked about getting a, a project like this done. You, and when the, when the pandemic hit, we just decided to do it, you know, so it worked out. You're talking about your new CD, 3 by 3 Yes. With yes. you, Watkins and Vaughn, and yes. uh, along with Tim Taylor. Uh, tell us a yeah. little bit more about that album. We had brought you in with Seventh Son, a tune made famous by your dad, Willie Dixon. Uh, mm -hmm. You got this new CD out. Tell us about the, the CD. You, you shared that you were lucky that the pandemic allowed you to, to do it. Uh, yes. But you got this group of three guys, you, Watkins, and Vaughn. Tell us uh -huh. more about you guys. Well, see, each one of us is a band leader. Uh, um, so... Um, we, we used to go on the road together, uh, like I said, playing in different venues at different times together. And uh, uh, Maurice, it was Maurice's, it was really his idea for us to do this thing. And so uh, the, the thing about it is John had some, some, some songs he had recorded previously and he wanted to do it, do it. And Maurice had some stuff he had recorded. And I didn't have nothing I had recorded. So uh, uh, I started doing some of my father's things. So it's a, it's a different, um, it's three different types of music here. I'm doing traditional, well, not, we can call it traditional blues, but I add horns to my stuff and backgrounds. Yep. And John is doing a, 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 a different type of uh, uh, blues also. His is more like a live sound. And Maurice is just a great musician. He got he got both sounds and in, 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 on the CD, you can it's a great CD. You can dance to it. You can uh, 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 just lay back and listen to it. Um, we have a variety. Each one of us is doing seven songs a piece, you know. So that's the great thing. You have a different uh, style of music out of each one of us. And um, I'm thinking Grammy. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm, th I'm thinking Grammy. So. You got my vote. When are you, when are you releasing this? There's a, a release date, right? Um, the 21st of September. Okay. But before the, don't you have an event um, happening at the quarry? Yes, I have, we have a event uh, on September the 5th. I'll be there with my band. Uh, um, but Maurice, Maurice will be there playing with me, you know, and uh, um John won't be on the show this time. He's in Detroit. You know, John moved to Detroit and he's up there playing. So, you know, he, he couldn't make this gig with us. But we, uh, uh, we've we been doing a few things together. You know, every time we get a chance, the three of us get together. So we, we're going to, uh, we, we uh, planning on doing some touring. But, Ready you know, I heard about, they said that uh, you know, John and Maurice was on the, uh, the, uh, the festival down in, in Arkansas, the uh, what's the name of the big festival? The uh, Helena, uh, the, the, the blues festival down in Helena, Arkansas is called the uh, uh, the big blues festival. I can't think of it, but they just canceled it out. So uh, Maurice okay. was gonna be on it, and John was gonna be on it, and that's taking me down there so I can get on it for next year. So, so but it canceled out. The blues, so, Freddie, uh, Freddie Dixon, let me ask you this. Growing up mm -hmm. as Willie Dixon's son, such a premier bluesman, um, mm -hmm. and then you wound up playing with his band pretty much on and off for, or maybe always on for 25 years? Yeah, something um, like that. 
Well, how old were you when you picked up a bass guitar, for example? Well, I was 23, 23 or 22, 23. I'm telling you, I started. My father, I was running a studio with a studio called Soul Productions, and I was running a studio. My father, he was, I was going to school, so I had to be about 19 when I run the studio. But uh, uh, my father, he, uh, um, he was going over in Europe, and he said, uh, uh, whatever you do, he bought a bass guitar. He said, whatever you do, don't touch this bass guitar. <laughs> so he knew that would start me to play the bass. <laughs> and it did, you know. And, and that's amazing. I think about that a lot of times. Um, that's beautiful. Kids do, you know, you do what you, he was doing. I call myself rebelling, I guess. So, you know, but I ended up doing what he wanted me to do. I you love know, it. So, hey, well, so. why don't we uh, listen to a little bit of that bass guitar that's keeping you, you know, three feet from the camera? Okay. <laughs> this song is called um, 29 Ways. I got 29 ways to get to my baby's dough. I got 29 ways to get to my baby's door. And if she need me bad, I can find about two or three more. I got a way through the front, a way through the back, a few loose boards where I can ease through the cracks. I got 29 ways to get to my baby's door. And if she need me bad, I can find about two or three more. I got 29 ways. I got 29 ways. I got 29 ways. I got 29 ways. I got 29 ways to get to my baby's door. Well, I got a lot of ways I never have said. I got a trap door right under her bed. I got 29 ways to get to my baby's door. And if you need me bad, I can find about two or three more. I got 29 ways. 29. I got 29 ways. 29 ways. I got 29 ways. I got 29 ways. I got 29 ways to get to my Baby's dough. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that wasn't the whole song, but that's that's the gist of it, you know. Um, but you know, I like this album. Um, got some great horn players on there. Oh, I got a guy, guy named Chris yes. Bone, Daryl Creasy playing trombone, and that guy named Leon Cuse playing trumpet. And they sang, they are really kicking on them horns. They I are. have a, plus, uh, we plus have a uh, harmonica specialist. We have Root Doctor, the Root Doctor on a um, guitar, okay. and Bob Lazzandrello on guitar. We have uh, Maurice John Vaughn on uh, um, piano, Tim Taylor on drums, John uh, uh, and uh, uh, and me. Mm -hmm. That's it. Well, we're looking oh, yeah. forward to and that's coming out on what date? It's called Three it's by gonna, Three. It's going to be on the 21st of uh, September. That's our release date. But that's I'm not going to see you guys at the, at, at the quarry. I mean, the 21st is an auspicious release day because that's the equinox, the uh, autumn. I, I, you know, Lynn was telling me about that last night. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. That's a good That's a good day to start anything. That's um, what that's why I would I guess that's why we started. Right, you know? <laughs> three refers to the three of you artists. Um, and I'm just curious how long have you all the three of you been playing in or around each other? 
I met Maurice Vaughn in 1982. He was on a gig with Phil Guy, and Phil Guy asked me to do a gig. We were at a, uh, we was up on the north side playing a gig, and that's the first time I met Maurice in 82 or 83. I met John Watkins when John Watkins came. Uh, uh, first, uh, we had uh, my father, uh, he had John, uh, uh, Southern John. He uh, um, sent John Watkins over, and that that was in the, in the eighties, and uh, yeah, in the eighties, had to be in the, maybe about eighty nine or something like that. Or, or, but I knew John Watkins before that. You know, we we kind of stayed in the same area. Uh, you know, uh, Freddie, let, let me ask: like, Did those two guys, uh, uh, John Watkins and Maurice Vaughn, did they play with your dad also? Well, John Watkins did. Maurice didn't ever play with my father. My father had stopped playing. Uh, well, he hadn't, he hadn't stopped playing. He had a uh, he had a um, his leg amputated during that time. You know, when when uh, um, when uh, uh, I was playing with me and Maurice, we was playing with AC Reed band. We was playing AC Reed's band, and we was going around. You know, and uh, uh, like I said, Phil Guy called me because he needed a bass player. And I met Maurice there with him. But I, I knew of John Watkins before. I knew I knew of John Watkins, but I had never played with him. He used to be down at Teresa's and places like that. So that, you know, that's how I met, knew about John Watkins. You know, so. can, can we John ask Primer, you? the guy I was trying to think of, John Primer. You know, John will never let me forget that. John Primer, great guitar player, great, great artist, you know, so. Glad you got that's it. That's the one who sent John Watkins to my father, John Primer, told him. Freddie, can I ask you to tell us a little bit about that venue for the, the one live show that we know is happening uh, at the right. quarry? Uh, at the quarry, it's, 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 it's a nice venue. Uh, we were playing over there at the Chicago Blues All-Stars or in the Chicago Blues All-Stars. We were playing over there a couple of years ago. You know, uh, every, I think it was every Monday we had a gig over there. And, uh, um, and uh, uh, it's 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 a nice it's a nice venue. It's not that big. It's comfortable, though. You know, you can get uh, I don't know maybe about 150 people in there, something like that, I guess. You know, um, they have two sides to it, so I don't know. What's, you know we're gonna be, I know we're gonna be working on the on the larger size. Where is it located? I haven't been, I haven't been over there in a, um, in a, since last since two years ago. Where's it located, Freddie? 75th and Phillips. 75th and Phillips. 2423 East 75th Street in South Shore. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you have any other upcoming live dates planned, or are we still in Pandemicsville where we don't know if or when? Well, uh, um, I'm a, um, I host a jam, uh, co host a jam every so often out in DeMott, Indiana. You ever heard of DeMott? No. I have not heard of DeMott. <laughs> okay. Well, it's uh, um, 30, 30 miles uh, south on 65 and going toward uh, Indianapolis. They have a nice jam session out there. I'm hosting it this Sunday. I'll be out there this Sunday hosting it, co-hosting it with a, a Bob Mandarino. And, Is, uh, are uh, you saying DeMont, D-E-M-O-N-T? D-E-M-O-N-T-T. DeMont. Yes. You're going to have to learn about that place. Yeah. The place is called uh, uh, the Poor House. The P-O-U-R right. Poor House. <laughs> Bar and Grill. Okay. And okay. I go out there periodically and host and uh, John Watkins go out there and host Maurice Vaughn. He has a lot of, of co-hosts out there. But they have a great band out there. So I, I go out there and uh, I'll be co-hosting this, um, so this Freddie Sunday. So Freddie, mm -hmm. you, you uh, take precautions, right? You you wear a mask. Oh yes, for sure. Yes, for sure. All right. But, you know, yeah, I, 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 I got my I got my shots and did all that, and looking forward to getting the, the next shot too. Oh, I know. know. He so, shoot me up. Yes, exactly. We um, want to thank you for coming on the show. It's always good to see. You. I got some nice yeah. photographs of you from when you were up to the Red Line Tap doing a benefit for this show. As yes, well as coming on the radio show, and uh, mm. you and the Chicago Blues All Stars. Uh, we look forward yes. to seeing you in whatever form you take, whatever band, whoever you got with you. It's always a pleasure to see you. 
Well, I appreciate this chance to talk to you and see you guys again and hope we'll be doing something better, closer, you know. Right on. The Zoom thing, you know. I'm going to come into the station and, and you know. and uh, uh, You'll be one of the first when they let us back in. Well, I appreciate that so much. Thank you very much for being on, Freddie. All right. Uh, we have, a, we have a great day. Thank you so much. Be well. Right. Stay well. Right. Bye-bye. You too. Santana. Welcome back, Congressman. You have seen so much since being sworn in in January 2019. I'm, we're not sure where to start, but since we have a short time with you, um, how was being in Congress with the previous resident throughout that campaign and, and on January 6th? Let's start there. You know, it's great to uh, join you, uh, Katie and uh, Michael, uh, today to talk about what's going on in Congress. Got to tell you, it's been uh, a little bit over two and a half years, uh, but it feels like a dozen years. I feel like a veteran. I feel seasoned. I feel uh, scarred uh, in a good way. Uh, a lot of resiliency. Uh, you know, we started off with a government shutdown on my first day as a member of Congress. And of course, we had uh, two impeachment uh, hearings. Uh, I supported, of course, both of them early on. And of course, we had the January 6th uh, insurrection and the threat to democracy from uh, right-wing uh, elements and uh, white supremacy in America. Um, the good news is that uh, Democrats have held uh, uh, fairly steady. Uh, we are progressing toward uh, enacting what will be uh, some of the most important landmark uh, legislation that can be transformational, that can really bring, usher in an era, uh, a century of uh, uh, equity and uh, progress, and really invest in uh, children, in uh, families, in uh, young people, uh, in immigrants, and yes, uh, begin to address uh, climate change and all of the uh, disastrous consequences of that. Uh, bring in, uh, finally, uh, immigration reform uh, after a 35-year uh, drought. So many exciting things are happening in Congress. Of course, the expansion of Medicare, uh, just to name a quick list of uh, things that we probably will get into this morning. Great to be back with you. Well, Congressman Garcia, AKA Chewy, uh, let's talk a moment about the For the People Act. This legislation would expand our freedom to vote, ensure that people's voices are heard and safeguard our democracy. You've been quoted as saying it can be done, that the filibuster, filibuster can be abolished. Expand on this and tell us how it's going. Look, uh, the For the People Act, uh, also known as H.R. 1 and S. 1 in the Senate, uh, is a uh, bill whose time uh, has come. It seeks to ensure that we get uh, big money and dirty money uh, and dark money out of politics. It would help uh, move uh, remove uh, the tremendous... Uh, burden of uh, uh, corruption in the U.S. Congress, especially from uh, big money and uh, the wealthy uh, and uh, right-wing uh, uh, investors who have controlled the agenda, who have controlled politics all over the country, uh, even at the local level because of uh, big money in politics. It also uh, would provide uh, the renewal of the Voting Rights Act. I support it in its entirety. Uh, nevertheless, because of the challenges uh, in the Senate, because we passed it out of the House in the previous Congress, in the 116th and in the 117th, uh, we, we're having to uh, prioritize uh, certain aspects of uh, 
uh, of that package uh, because of the urgency uh, voter suppression by Republicans and state legislatures in so many uh, states to obviously keep people of color from voting, uh, other people, low-income people, senior citizens, et cetera, by creating strict requirements uh, for that. Uh, it is uh, unabashedly an effort to suppress democracy and people's rights to vote. It's a throwback to the Jim Crow era in many ways. Uh, the good news is that we passed a part of what's in the For the People Act, the John Lewis uh, Voting Rights Advancement Act, before we left uh, the House of Representatives on uh, Tuesday, and it is a step forward. Uh, so uh, I favor uh, getting rid of the filibuster in the Senate. Uh, that has been my position for a long, long time. It is a relic of Jim Crow, uh, and we need to do away with it. Uh, protecting voting rights, however, is a key priority. We'll have to come back to uh, whether we can get rid of the filibuster or not in the Senate, but I favor it because it's the right thing to do, and it would really help us clean up politics from Washington, D.C. down to the local level uh, in cities like Chicago and suburban communities as well. Um, Chewy, what, what you call uh, reconciliation work, which is what you guys are working on right now, can you Describe, break that down for people and tell them what it, what it is and what it involves right now, legislatively. So uh, reconciliation, because that's a tough uh, word uh, to understand in the legislative context, is simply uh, a, uh, a, a method uh, for addressing uh, budgetary uh, issues in uh, Congress. It is used primarily uh, in uh, the Senate uh, to address uh, important uh, budgetary issues. Uh, in this uh, context and in this regard, uh, currently, it is uh, the, the only way uh, for a simple majority in the Senate to be able to move legislation forward because of the ridiculous uh, filibuster rule uh, in the Senate that allows minority rule to prevail, where a minority of uh, uh, senators, and I'm not talking about 49, uh, or 48, I'm talking uh, about uh, much fewer than them to control the agenda on what goes forward and what uh, dies in the Senate. It is a ridiculous rule. Uh, it is uh, one that Southern uh, Democrats and segregationists uh, for the most part have championed over a long time to prevent civil rights uh, legislation from occurring in the Senate. That's why it needs to go. The reconciliation process is one that says that if there are issues related to the budget, uh, they can be passed with a simple majority. Uh, 51 votes, uh, including the vote of the vice president in the current context. And that's why we're striving for a reconciliation book, um, uh, budget package that would enable us to address everything from climate change, address, uh, uh, advance parts of the Green New Deal in that, rebuild our infrastructure, uh, expand uh, Medicare eligibility, lowering the age to 60, and including things like uh, eye care, uh, hearing aids, and dental coverage for seniors because people on Medicare are not eligible for those things. And of course, providing important things like the child care so that uh, children can be safe, uh, children can have a healthy uh, place to develop while their parents, especially so many working women who were the most affected during the pandemic, can return to work safely. So you, you answer a lot of things with one answer. Yeah, you took away all good. the questions. <laughs> um, you are obviously placed in the progressive Democratic fold, which probably makes you an honorary squad member at times. Time <laughs> time. Um, how much, they let guys in? <laughs> yes. <laughs> how much uh, are you not going to play to that in order to remain, as we say in Chicago politics, an independent? In other words, have you defined, defined a middle path uh, in the Democratic Congress since you are such uh, a coalition builder? Look, uh, I remain a uh, true uh, progressive. I am uh, one of the vice chairs of the Congressional Progressive Caucus. I'm also uh, the chair of the Racial uh, Justice um, uh, Subcommittee of the Congressional Hispanic Caucus. 
uh, have a great relationship with the Tri Caucus, with the Black Caucus, with the Asian uh, Caucus as well uh, in Congress. My values continue to be totally rooted in progressive politics. That's why I have uh, favored uh, some of the boldest proposals that are being debated in Congress today. I'm a member of the Transportation and Infrastructure Committee, uh, where I'm working to advance as many parts of the Green New Deal as uh, possible. Uh, my approach to politics in Washington and locally is to be rooted in progressive values that are forward thinking, bringing together uh, the broadest possible coalitions, uh, including people of color, the LGBTQ uh, community, uh, labor, and that's where my values are derived from. Uh, yes, uh, I'm sort of the fifth member of the squad. I'm a little older than them, maybe a lot older than uh, most of them. They are my sisters. We have a great uh, relationship and I collaborate and coordinate with them on most of the things that we do in the United States Congress. So unabashedly, I am one of them and they are one of me. <laughs> right on, Chewy. Now let me ask you, how's your relationship with the moderate Democrats who very often give cash in big amounts to big pharma? Uh, you know, you've said we're facing an uphill battle. You hope to allow Medicare to negotiate lower prices for prescription drugs, et cetera, et cetera. Give us your hit on big pharma well, and look, the Democrats uh, who enable yeah. them. Well, let, let me just tell you, uh, I support the For the People Act uh, and moving uh, big money out of politics because I don't accept uh, money from fossil fuel interests. I don't accept money from big pharma or from arms manufacturers, just to be clear. Uh, where I come from on these things. I favor uh, a small donor uh, way of funding politics uh, that comes from people in your district and keeps you honest and don't have to make all of those phone calls to special interest groups to fund your way or your seat in Congress. So uh, that has been uh, where I come from uh, in politics. And uh, what was your original question, uh, Michael? I, I just wanted to know how you were dealing with the moderate oh, Democrats. Look, I have uh, a good relationship with uh, many moderate members of Congress, and I have to tell you, I am uh, quite pleased uh, with uh, Joe Biden's uh, position and uh, on some of the key issues that we're debating in uh, Congress. Uh, the $3.5 trillion bill that would fund everything from daycare to Medicare for all and address climate change and usher in immigration. He has, uh, you know, defaulted to uh, being bigger and bolder in his than we ever hoped, absolutely. That has moved a lot of the moderates and more conservative members of our caucus. And with respect to the developments of the past week plus, Joe Biden played an important role in getting them to vote for advancing the big package as well as the smaller transportation package that was passed out of the Senate, one that we're working on changing to ensure that it is greener, that it is bolder, and that it, that it helps do away with all of the inequities that uh, we have per perpetuated, especially against uh, people of color and the poor uh, through uh, some of our uh, policies like the building of the, uh, uh, the interstate highway system across America that has split communities, that has uh, brought in uh, urban removal of uh, communities of color, and that today is advancing very rapidly uh, the forces of gentrification in cities. So um, that's how I deal with them and uh, how I'm dealing with the White House as well uh, in these negotiations. So I, everything you just mentioned, that's, that would mostly be considered part of the Build Back Better uh, thing, right? Yes. Uh, what they're calling the, yes. Build Back Better. And the Green New Deal, um, how much, how much uh, traction is that building or, or are we sliding backwards with Green New Deal? With, with the uh, transportation, uh, the infrastructure bill that came out of the Senate mm -hmm. is uh, mostly, um, uh, you know, hard uh, infrastructure, uh, roads and uh, bridges uh, and things uh, like that broadband, uh, a very positive aspect of it. What it lacks, uh, Katie, uh, are the elements uh, the key elements of the Green New Deal that are essential yes. for us to address climate change, to decarbonize, to move toward 
uh, electric vehicles and charging stations all over the country. Uh, and many of the elements of that of this bill uh, that was passed out of the Senate don't address uh, gridlock. They don't address uh, the induced demand that just building more highways and more capacity uh, will do. It'll just crowd those roads within a year, uh, usually when uh, you know added capacity uh, is, is is brought to the fore. What we need is a significant uh, investment in things like public transit for Chicago, for San Francisco, for New York, uh, for Southern states. High-speed rail is important. And of course, the decarbonization of our society. Those are the things that we continue to work uh, for to incorporate into this bill in the reconciliation process. Many of the tenets of the Green New Deal are not in that, and that's what uh, people like Chairman Pete DeFazio of the Transportation and Infrastructure Committee are fighting for. We passed such a bill that moves us in that direction uh, out of the House, uh, the Invest Act, that was the uh, five-year uh, uh, renewal of our uh, transportation funding uh, systems across the country. That's not what is in the Senate. That's what we're fighting to incorporate into the Senate in these coming days and weeks uh, in Congress. That is what we need. I also want to say there is a significant investment in housing as infrastructure in uh, the package that we helped move forward on uh, Tuesday in Congress, that is key to address homelessness, to provide more multifamily housing for working families, and uh, to make home ownership a reality for people who haven't had those opportunities. Chewy, uh, we just uh, learned that the Supreme Court, the conservative 6-3 conservative Supreme Court, has uh, nixed the moratorium on evictions. What are the ramifications of that and what can be done? Yeah. Uh, this is a uh, real uh, travesty on the part of the court. Uh, the president was responding to a reality that uh, recognizes there are, there are millions of people uh, in jeopardy of becoming homeless, uh, contributing to the spread of the COVID-19, the uh, Delta variant. Uh, if they are uh, forced out of their houses through uh, evictions. Uh, they're simply doing uh, Trump's work uh, in my uh, way of looking at this. Uh, the good thing for Illinois is that uh, Governor Pritzker has extended uh, the housing uh, eviction moratorium in Illinois. I'm hoping that other uh, governors will do uh, the same. And of course, uh, we'll continue to look for ways to protect people, uh, prevent them from becoming evicted, uh, from uh, being uh, becoming homeless and, of course, uh, further um, uh, endangering themselves uh, because of the spread of the Delta variant. And finally, Congressman Garcia, as we all know, you made a strong run for mayor in 2015, forcing a runoff with the sitting mayor at the time. Uh, as you see, the current mayor struggling with everything from cops to COVID and its many repercussions, is it still a job you or any truly trustworthy, thoughtful person would want, first of all? And would you ever run again, a la Harold Washington, coming home from Congress to a more powerful job of Chicago mayor? Oh, man. Um, look, uh, I am totally focused and working my tail off to pass the big items uh, in the legislation that we have before us. If and when we do that, we will begin the transformation of our country and our society and assume a leadership role in fighting climate change. I don't care what other countries are doing. We have a leadership role. We have a moral responsibility to lead. So if we make life better for families, for children, for working uh, moms to safely return to work, uh, to you know, finish off uh, the uh, pandemic, to build affordable housing for people, to expand uh, Medicare so that people have the basic coverage that they need and make more people eligible for Medicare earlier. Uh, those are huge things that we uh, will do in Congress. Uh, then I will be in a much more reflective mood about the future uh, of what needs to happen. Uh, but I tell you what, if we pass this legislation, it will provide resources to make 
Chicago land, Chicago and our suburban sisters and brother uh, communities, uh, much better places. It will usher in uh, the beginnings of new uh, equity for uh, people and help us dismantle the historic inequities that our society has uh, thrown upon people and limited them. So uh, a whole lot is on the line. The future of democracy is on the line. In order to restore democracy and for democracy to flourish, we need to pass this big, bold legislation for our people, for all of our people. And that will be it. We want to thank you so much, Representative Garcia, for coming on this morning, for making time, and also for your ongoing commitment to the people of your district and beyond. We really appreciate your, your work. Keep running, oh, thank brother. you so much. It's thank you. It's great to, see to you. great to uh, speak and uh, to see you, and uh, hope to see you very soon. We will. Amen. Right. Thank you, brother. Peace. Peace. Uh, a couple of things we'd like to call your attention to: uh, the Zine Mercado is taking place Sunday, the 29th, at the Comfort Station in Logan Square. A lot of interesting people with a lot of good graphics. And as Congressman Chuy Garcia shared with us earlier. Uh, before we went on with him, there is a wonderful Frida exhibit at DuPage College. Uh, on the sports front, all I can say is it's Sox and Cubs all weekend long. Go Sox. But Cubs in, are okay, too. And in memoriam, we want to remember the beautiful spirit of James Chapman, who was an incredible ally to progressive politics and neighborhood folks in Chicago, de dedicated his life and his legal expertise to all good causes. Bless you, James, in your transition. You were magnificent. And we want to share the sadness around the, the passing of Stanley Aronowitz, a longtime activist, sociology professor. Uh, there's a lot of history about him and things that he worked in. Uh, you can find out more about him if you go just look up his name, Stanley Aronowitz. There's some wonderful and very educational obituaries out there. Uh, he did great in the world. We're sorry oh. to have lost him. We're going to go out with Twin Peaks doing our world. We'll be back next week. You can always get us on youtube.com slash Heartland Media. You can get us on Can TV, and you can now hear podcasts on both Spotify and Google Podcasts. Do good, do good in the world. world. The world needs all the good that we do. All power, all to, power the to the people.